Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 13, Independence Day. Having withdrawn their membership from First Church, the 42 newly independent Christian scientists wasted no time in establishing Fourth Church of Christ Scientists Seattle. Having made the conscious decision to establish their church permanently in the center of Seattle urban life, Fourth Church would embrace a role of active civic engagement. Perhaps more than any other Christian science church in Seattle, the activities and progress of this branch church would be consistently reported on in the Seattle newspapers. Their first headline appeared in the Seattle Times on July 4, 1909. To Build New Church In view of the constant growth of Christian science in this city, the notice in the Seattle Times explained, it has been deemed expedient to establish Fourth Church of Christ Scientist, in order that the place of meeting may be readily accessible to residents of outlying districts, a lease has been taken of Arcade Hall. The timing was auspiciously serendipitous. Independence Day had special significance to Mary Baker Eddy and the early Christian scientists. Eddie's first-ever newspaper advertisement for teaching her healing system had been published in Boston in 1868 on July 4th. Eddie had formed her first organization, the Christian Science Association, on July 4th in 1876, the centennial of the American Declaration of Independence. In 1897, 2,500 people traveled to Concord, New Hampshire for a special Independence Day event at the home of Mary Baker Eddy, further giving the holiday the quality of a holy day for this new religious movement that so identified with spiritual revolution. Addressing the crowd, Eddy had said, Today we commemorate not only our nation's civil and religious freedom, but a greater even the liberty of the sons of God, the inalienable rights and radiant reality of Christianity, whereof our master said, the works that I do shall he do, and the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, with knowledge obtained from the senses, but the kingdom of God is within you, within the present possibilities of mankind. In Seattle, Oliver C. McGilvra had recently drawn a connection between America's founding documents and Christian science in a public statement. McGilvra's highly prominent father, Judge John J. McGilvra, was widely known to have had a close friendly relationship with President Abraham Lincoln. Oliver had recently told an audience of over 2,000 in Seattle at a Christian science lecture to my mind, the most important documents in American history are the three declarations of independence. They are, first, 
the American Declaration of Independence, being a declaration against the oppression of a foreign power. Second, the Proclamation of Emancipation, being a declaration against a condition of human slavery. And third, the Christian Science Textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, being a declaration against the bondage of sin, sickness, and death. The American Declaration of Independence was written by the bravest and wisest men who ever assembled in convention. The Proclamation of Emancipation was written by Abraham Lincoln, the grandest man who ever sat in the presidential chair. And Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures was written by the Reverend Mary Baker G. Eddy, the foremost woman in all the world today. McGilfra's statement was made just before the 100th anniversary of Lincoln's birthday, a special national holiday when the entire nation was expressing profound appreciation for President Lincoln and his guiding role in keeping the United States of America together through a devastating civil war. Such statements coming from McGilvra, who reiterated his close personal connection to the great American at an overflowing special service at First Church on the occasion of the Lincoln centenary, made them especially noteworthy at least to Christian scientists. But neither the social prominence, the legal expertise, nor the bold statements of First Church President McGilvra were enough to keep his own divided church community together. Over the next few months, several more members of First Church would withdraw to join Fourth Church. Most significantly, William K. Sheldon as soon as his term as first reader at First Church was fulfilled. During his reading term, Sheldon had become a Christian science practitioner, and he would soon become a Christian science teacher. Sheldon's normal class teacher was Laura Sargent, who had been a member of Mary Baker Eddy's household at the time of the 1897 Independence Day event, and who also happened to be, according to one source, first cousin, once removed, to Samuel Adams of American Revolutionary fame. The early members of Fourth Church were almost certainly aware of all of this, and it must have given special significance to the timing of their 1909 organizational efforts. It was also beneficial that the formation of Fourth Church coincided with special events surrounding the World's Fair, during the summer of 1909, Seattle was full of visitors and activity because of the Alaska-Yukon-Pacific Exposition, the AYP, being held on the University of Washington campus. On Independence Day, besides the big fireworks show, the focus at the fair and throughout the city was women's rights. About 600 members of the National American Women's Suffrage Association from all over the country had come for the publicity opportunity of the AYP Expo. Washington voters were considering giving women the vote, and the women's suffrage leaders were holding a convention at the AYP to promote their cause. Other supportive events were going on, too, like the climbing team from the Mountaineers Club that planted an AYP Expo flag atop Mount Rainier, along with a pennant with the motto, Votes for Women. 
These activities culminated in an official AYP Suffrage Day on July 7th. Well-known women suffragists gave talks at several large Christian churches and the Jewish synagogue. Mary Baker Eddy's church made the news along with the ones hosting the suffrage leaders because of the Independence Day announcement by the Christian scientists forming Fourth Church and also the Christian Science Lecture by Miss Mary Brookings for the following Sunday, July 11th, sponsored by First Church of Christ Scientist. First Church was able, for the first time, to rent the Moore Theater, Seattle's largest and best theater for the Brookings Lecture, even with popular actress Ethel Barrymore on the stage there that week. The lecture was packed, and it was reported in the Christian Science Sentinel that a man came to the lecture on crutches who required help in getting comfortably seated and then afterwards walked out normally, carrying the crutches in one hand. All these happenings, the activities and visitors for the AYP Expo, the focus on women's voices in Seattle, and this publicized report of healing so like the stories of healing in the Bible could only have helped launch the new Fourth Church, which began holding church services the day of the Brookins Lecture. The hall rented by Fourth Church was on 2nd Avenue between Union and University Streets, just a few blocks from the Moore Theater, and around the corner from the floundering 3rd Church of Christ Scientist. Their Christian Science Reading Room was in the nearby Empire Building, where William K. Sheldon had his practitioner office. The Empire Building was a 12-story high-rise on 2nd Avenue at Marion Street. Near the previous Marion Building location for the reading room of First Church and near the Burke Building where First Church held its building committee meetings, the Marion block of 2nd Avenue was the cultural center of Seattle where all the big festivals, parades, and public ceremonies happened. Built in 1906, The Empire Building was one of the best-known buildings in the city. Like the terracotta-trimmed, elegant Burke Building, the Empire Building was owned by civic leader Judge Thomas Burke. Burke had been instrumental in securing for Seattle the role of the leading city on Puget Sound through his involvement in the development of the local railroads. He was the attorney for the Great Northern Railway Company, owned by James J. Hill, the Empire Builder. Judge Burke personally supervised the selection of the Italian marble used throughout the interior for the Empire Building. Starting in the summer of 1909, Burke's building became a center for Christian science activity in Seattle with the opening of the reading room. To conduct Fourth Church services, For second reader, the members elected Helen E. Cushing. Helen was the wife of former president of the Port Angeles and Eastern Railroad, Charles A. Cushing, who had been instrumental in the development of rail lines on the Olympic Peninsula and a car ferry connecting Port Angeles to Victoria, British Columbia, and had consequently been given the honor of introducing a Christian science lecture in Victoria at the Victoria Theater. The elected first reader was Charles Warburton, Ireland, a recent immigrant to the United States from Ireland. He came with his wife, Charlotte, and two young adult daughters. 
In 1901, when Charlotte started reading Mary Baker Eddy's book, Charles was, as he put it, a scoffer and almost an infidel. As to Christian science, he later explained, I at first regarded this subject as nonsense. But he testified that shortly after he started reading the book, he was healed of severe rheumatic trouble and lame back, as well as incurable liver complaint. After one week of reading, this inveterate smoker since his youth lost all desire to use his pipe. Continuing his study of the book, he said his old friends started telling him he looked 20 years younger. I can conscientiously state that I feel it, he wrote. My whole thought has been changed. The Ireland family joined First Church of Christ Scientist Seattle in 1903, and they all left together in 1909 with the Fourth Church group. Charles had been working at People's Savings Bank, but soon after his election to First Reader, he began advertising locally as a Christian science practitioner. His new practitioner office was on the seventh floor of the Empire Building, just down the hall from Sheldon's office. In returning to their downtown cultural roots, Fourth Church also returned to high-priced downtown hall rentals. They almost certainly wanted to build a church edifice, but first they needed to build up their congregation. They expected rapid growth, if only because the first church building, which seated less than 800, was already nearing its capacity with regular attendance by local residents. The downtown hall that Fourth Church rented was initially configured to seat about 500. Between the Brookins Lecture, the AYP Expo, and the continuing growth of interest in Christian science in Seattle, the large crowds anticipated did come. By the end of the year, the board arranged with Arcade Hall Management to increase the hall's seating capacity to 1,000. Fourth Church had been successfully established and may have even already seemed to be a rival to First Church. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.